You're listening to a podcast from the Media Motel. Coming up this week in episode 493, the making and breaking of Britney Spears, celebrity rewilding and the greatest rock memoirs of all time. That's all coming up after XTC and The Disappointed. I find it so affecting that Andy Partridge marries up the woe-filled lyrics with such a jaunty Mm. tune. Um, Number 33 on the UK Top 40 in the spring of 1992 Mm. from the album Nonsuch, XTC and The Disappointed.
Mm, I, I do like XTC. They're one of those bands who of whom I approve of, but I've never. There are songs of theirs that I really like, but I've never quite done the full sort of investigation of their back catalogue. And I, I sense you've prompted me to do that because I think that is great. <laughs> Well, hello and a toasty welcome to the Parish Council. It's episode 493. I'm Terence Stackham. And, well, let's just check she hasn't been spraying Gorilla Glue on her hair. It's <laughs> Juliet Harris. Yeah, I, I mean, we could say a lot about my hair at the moment. None of it particularly complimentary, it has to be said. I think, like, look, like we're going to talk about rewilding later yes. on, and I very much feel that my hair is my contribution to rewilding at the moment, I must admit. Like women all over the land, yes. I eagerly await the uh, the reopening <laughs> of hairdressers, by which point, I don't know, I... Uh, I, I, it, it's going a bit cousin it, I must admit. You know the the, the fringe down the front. It's uh, it's not going brilliantly. But anyway, aside from that, it is brilliant to be able to talk to you and our friends that listen. Hello, well, everyone. I'm glad, unlike that poor lady in America, you didn't spray mm, glue. Yeah, I yes. Um, as the uh, as the old cliche goes, um, time comes at you fast. Mm, and it does. An illustration of that maxim is the fact that Britney Spears turns 40 years old later this year. Oh, man. Absolutely. Her sons will be 16 and 15 years old this year. She's sold over 100 million records worldwide. And if we think it's all about the music, Britney Spears' perfume brand has exceeded sales of $2 billion. And do you know who owns a bottle of that? Not you. Me. Me. Is it good? My mum. My mum, my mum bought it, and then it was a bit too sweet for her. And she sort of, you know, I, I, she's always doing this. I walked around, she went, "Smell this," and kind of sprayed it in the air. And I really like it. <laughs> it's, it's, it's not an well, everyday perfume, but it's a spangly perfume. So for all that Britney Spears having a perfume rage seems ridiculous. Perhaps this is the most unexpected thing you will hear today. I have it, and I like it. Too sweet for your mum, but nothing could be too sweet for oh, you, Julia. Oh, you know, you're a, you're a, you're a smooth tongued charmer as always. <laughs> Well, this is this is all a long way from Kentwood, Louisiana, where she attended dance classes at the age of three. And yeah. since then, her journey through life has been a troubled one. And mm. this has been captured by a new film, a documentary made from the people at the New York Times, and it's called mm. Framing Britney Spears. And we've seen a preview of it this week. Quite an insight into the kaleidoscopic uh, world of Britney Spears, Jules. Mm. Absolutely. I mean, I thought this was fascinating. I have to say, I couldn't quite watch all of it simply because... It, I found it really difficult. It was it was a very troubling and upsetting story on many levels. I think. Yeah. Um, I think the, the the what was so telling about it. So so to sort of summarise, the, the the issue at the moment is that she's um, she's she's her affairs are being managed by way of a conservatist a conservatorship. I think it's pronounced, which mm. is which basically is. It's a little bit like a power of attorney that we would have over here. Um, and her father has been in, in charge of it. Um, and basically, the, the sort of the underlying feeling is, is that her dad is sort of micromanaging and has a level of control over Britney, which is really not sensible or perhaps justified. And this film, um, the New York Times presents Framing Britney Spears, directed by Samantha Stark. Um, basically, there's there's been a, a fan driven reaction to this which is called the free britney movement hashtag free britney and what's so clever i think about this documentary is that it starts off you know with looking at fans who were sort of mm. waiting outside the court and waving signs and, and i'd i'd heard of the free britney movement and part of me had kind of dismissed it as just kind of 
young fans on the internet being hysterical and the beginning bit starts with a lot of these fans which is quite moving sort mm-hmm. of you know writing letters to her but part of me thinks oh you know this is just a bunch of you know over-involved fans that sort of thing and then pretty shortly after that you start to hear from and notably I think the women in Britney Spears life who were there from the very beginning and and I think that the the key kind of quote that comes out of it from the very start is that um they have a family friend and her former former assistant Felicia Colotta who basically says she comes across as lovely and she basically says the reason I'm doing this interview is that I want to remind people how brilliant Britney Spears is. And I think that that, that is very much lost, um, that has been lost. And I just found this, you know, fascinating, upsetting, because she was a star. You know, the minute that she hit the scene, she exploded, because it was very obvious that she was just a star. She was just one of those people that doesn't come along very often. She was probably the new Madonna when she started, I think, in terms of in terms of that level of reach and that level of, of, of kind of you know just pure talent really she could sing she could dance she seemed a nice person you know she was always tricky and that she was straddling that line and just you know we'll talk i think we're going to talk about the spy girls in a different concept mm. a context a bit later on but she was straddling that line between someone that very much appealed to children i love the footage of her singing in the shopping malls and them talking yes. about how she gradually yeah. built this kind of base in the way people would turn up to see her as someone that once accidentally saw blazing squad perform in the shopping mall in norwich i'm kind of familiar with the uh with the uh with the kind of, sort of weirdness of people performing in shopping malls but um you know the fact that that you know that she, she she just was a massive star and it's it's i just find it so heartbreaking that you know something's something's happened to you know something happened didn't it and someone said quite early on one of the women the, i think the woman that was at jive records or someone else said this would not have ha- or it might have been a stylist said this would not have happened to a man and i think that is that is true i am glad that justin timberlake has come out and apologized for the appalling way in which he behaved about her and you know it it is just so upsetting that that you know that that she just seems to be so troubled and in such a strange place and it seems like, you know, this this father of hers, as my friend put it the other day, well, they can throw him off the end of the same pier that they're throwing Amy Winehouse's father, really, in terms of sort of, you know, where, where they where they are. It was very, I mean, I thought that quote from the woman that ran Jive, the record company, was so telling that she said the only interaction she had ever had with the dad was when he'd said, oh, she's going to make me so rich I can buy a boat. That was the only thing he had ever said to her about her career. Her, you know, I thought it was very telling that the views of the women were so united and were so clear on this. And... You know, I, it left me feeling in a similar way as the Whitney Houston documentary did, that, that you know, this was someone incredibly talented that completely lost their way, largely due to controlling men, from what I could see. And, you know, and, and you know, trying, like I say, to straddle that, that kind of divide between music that's aimed at children, but also quite sexualized as well that's always but that was always playing with fire so i'm not saying and you know she was she did sign up for that so so i'm not saying that you know that that she was necessarily an innocent in that sense but i don't know i i found it fascinating and, and appalling in equal measures i found it quite touching actually i went from thinking the fans were wackos to actually feeling quite quite moved that they were willing that they're fighting for her you know they're really they're, they're, i think they genuinely care about her and i i just hope that eventually 
it is sorted out and they sat and some they managed to get someone in charge of her interests that that is not in it for themselves and i'm not convinced about that about about the dad who did not come across well in this documentary no i mean there's so much to take in with this film her father as you say who has conservatorship over her affairs i think you're right understanding him and his motives is probably quite closely linked to britney spears Mm. state of mind um the the fans who turn up at court hearings uh, and so on they reminded me of the people who were crying outside kensington palace when diana princess of wales died or it's weird isn't it yeah more up to date the people at donald trump rallies i'm not sure they they help her cause but i do understand that they they feel they're doing their best and that they yeah they feel they feel emotionally committed to me and i think and i think i can deal with that because there are seems to be these forces in her life that aren't it does make me feel that at least someone is fighting for her one thing that um I really picked up on. I wonder what effect fame at such a young uh, young age had on her. Mm. But there were some very disturbing interviews, including one by yes. Ed McMahon, who used to be mm. on the Johnny Carson show. He, at the time of this in, interview on on TV, he was seventy, and Britney Spears was eleven, and he was like talking to her about things an eleven year old shouldn't be oh, thinking yes. about. Yes, yes, that was awful. Excruciating. That was really... Yeah, it was it was horrible. And and again, you know, men wouldn't have to pick up with that would they you know it's appalling um she seems or or perhaps seemed at the center of a world going wild all around Mm. her success happened very quickly in in the sense of going from not being well very well known to suddenly Mm. being overnight overnight. she said herself it was literally overnight she was not famous one day and then the next she was all over the world absolutely but then came this world of sponsorships for this Mm. and commercials for that and you have to wonder if they were all as you say in her best interest or for the interest of those around her all led to sort of the conclusion that somewhere in this Britney the person has been lost Mm. and the brand is sort of the most important thing so many people jumping aboard including another strange part I don't know if you saw this part but this odd Svengali figure called Sam Lufty who reminded me very strange yeah he reminded me of that bloke Eugene Landy who sort of crowbarred himself into Brian Wilson's life yes that's exactly who I was trying to think of I think there is this sort of um yeah, beware of people bearing gifts. He just yes. seemed to, yeah, he seemed to breeze in, and there didn't seem to be anyone. It was really strange. I don't know, I don't know what I, the, the relationship between the dad and the mum was clearly very troubled and broke mm. down, yes. and it seemed like the mum seemed to just stop being able to fight for her. Really, I, I mean, I don't. It just, and it seemed like all of the women that were talking about her in the documentary that genuinely seemed to, you know, work with her, who who had her best interests at heart the woman that ran the t- the children's channel you know everyone mm. that turned up it was like they 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 what's so frustrating is it feels like she's behind glass it doesn't feel like anyone that cares about her can get to her do you know what i mean it feels mm. like like you say that these Svengali types there wasn't a line of defense to keep them out it's a difficult uh, uh, th- uh, film to watch as, as as you've said um framing it's brilliant Brit- i'm not saying yeah, it's not no, no, great it's fantastic it's, 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 it's just it's terrific but, but, and i think country. what's so upsetting about it is when you see the early interviews with her she seems a very nice mm. balanced i mean she's literally they, they they i love the fact they go to the the town where she comes from and it is a small town you know it is it is tiny and everyone is burstingly proud of what she's achieved because it's a small community but she, you know, like you say, it's heartbreaking that that person has somehow been lost in this because she seemed 
very self-possessed, very, you know, very sort of in control. And, and there were some interesting comments that actually, although there were worries about her being sexualized, you know, teenagers really loved her mm. because she was aspirational. You know, yeah. she she was she. I mean, that that baby one more time is just you know, just hits you right between the eyes. The song from the very <laughs> beginning, the video, and as someone said, she owns those corridors. You know, she she she's she is in charge, and so like you say, it is pretty devastating that she's lost somewhere. And I hope, you know, the fact she's got kids as well. You know, that, that is it's just so difficult. And I, I really hope that um. I really hope that somewhere around the line she can, you know, that there is some way of, of, I hate the phrase saving her, but there is, there is some way of, of helping her just, just to be her really just, you know, without, without malignant people that have their own interests at heart. Framing Britney Spears. It's available on Hulu and FX in the States and it's due for release in the UK this spring. Mm. Coming next, Saving the Planet with Jerry Halliwell. Um, that's right. <laughs> Sorry. After, <laughs> that's right after a certain ratio.
had a bit of a revisiting of post-punk this week. Um, so I'll try and put this in as non-boring way as possible. I've got a print on my wall um, from an excellent company called Dorothy. They don't endorse me, by the way. This isn't a sponsorship, you know, deal. This is just a genuine, I really like their stuff. And they produce these prints that are done like stamp albums, but they represent um, music albums on each stamp and they do different sort of, you know, themed kind of prints. They're really lovely things. And I've I had a one. post- I want one already. They're great. They're great, and uh, I've got a, a post-punk one up on my wall, which people that follow me on Instagram, it occasionally makes appearances. Um, and I discovered a couple of weeks ago that they do postcards. They, they've produced a set of 50 postcards. So I've bought um, a couple of boxes just to send to people, really, just to kind of cheer everyone up a bit. So that then inspired me to uh, find a really good post-punk uh, playlist on uh, Apple Music. And there were loads of stuff that I knew already, obviously, like Joy Division all that sort of thing. But... As again, a certain ratio, a bit like XTC for me. They're a band that I really like, I'm very much approve of, but just I'm not familiar with with that much of their music. And so I just um, I just came across came across this on this playlist, and I just thought I really you know I really like this. It's got such energy to it. It's immediate, and I just I think it's great. It's called Do the Do, spelt um D O and then the and then D U, and uh, I I just love it. I think it's fantastic. Didn't Betty Boo do the do? She did the do with a with an O, uh-huh. so she did, she did doing the do and doing they are the do, do. That's it. Now but this takes is me... also amazing, by the way. Mm. I might pick that at some point because that is. I should have picked them both at once, really. <laughs> if I could actually produce things, I should have put, picked them both. But no, it's a different a different song and a different artist. It takes me right back, um, a certain ratio, to a world of late night radio one and mm-hmm, the importance mm-hmm. of the independent singles chart in the late seventies yeah. and early eighties. That's a wonderful mix of sort of. It's it's super. It's like Talking Heads, dark dance, industrial mm. punk. And yeah. I, I was uh, pleased to see when I saw you pick that, I had I looked them up, they're still going. Oh, so, that's good. Yeah. I'm pleased. About that. I would go and see them, actually. I, mm. I think they're one of those, some of the bands from that era are pretty ropey now, but there are some that are still doing good things, you know, and I, I, I would like to go and have a look at them, I think. And like you say, it it brings a lot of things together under one umbrella. And uh, they, they feel to me like they sort of might be the perfect post-punk band in that sense, that they bring together like you say well all the different strands of of post-punk and i every time post-punk comes up i always recommend this so apologies for banging on but um if you are interested in post-punk and want to read more about it the book uh, rip it up and start again by simon reynolds is the definitive work i think on post-punk and uh, he did a book of interviews as well to go with it which is excellent but it really tells the story i think 78 to 84 and it's 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 really really good so i would i would recommend that for people that want to sort of mine that seam a bit further excellent um rewilding it mm. sounds it sounds like a good idea it's a form of environmental restoration where the emphasis is on human standing mm. back and letting nature <laughs> take its course no active management in other in other words yeah. I mean, there are forestry areas in the surrey hills that i absolutely love to visit because Mm. they're untouched unmanaged and they're almost primeval um due to that missing human touch although of course i'm acutely aware that by visiting them visiting them um i'm part of the problem you know oh look at this mm. lovely oh snap oh oh dear it's um, like people that go honestly there are so many people on the beach today i'm gonna take this picture whilst i'm on the beach of everyone else that is on the beach yeah it is a bit difficult to exactly. uh to, to, to walk that line isn't it uh, perhaps unexpectedly at the forefront of the rewilding movement is spice girl jerry halliwell who has of course 
a YouTube channel, and it's called Rainbow Woman. And uh, from her estate <laughs> in Oxfordshire, she's got plans to offer a habitat for all manner of creatures. Now, influenced by this, Jules, I have to ask the question... Are you opening your home to needy otters, voles and dormice? I mean, I feel I'm a needy otter myself at times, so maybe maybe I need rewilding, I don't know. But, um, I mean, Jerry Halliwell just continues to be incredible value, I think, just in whatever she does, simply because where is the self-awareness has it ever been there has, has it gone somewhere I, I, it is i mean and it's worth reading the opening paragraph of this excellent article by jane Schilling in the telegraph because it made me cry with laughter when i read it oh my god squeaks jerry halliwell addressing a substantial owl perched on her leather gauntleted forearm i feel like you're looking into my soul he wants to tell me something the owl looks underwhelmed Possibly it would like to tell Jerry that it is a she, not a he. The white-hip-bearded owl wrangler overseeing Jerry's introduction to birds of prey for her arrestingly eccentric v- YouTube vlog, um, uh, Rainbow Woman, remarks that the owl thinks of him as its partner. We get them sexually responsive to humans, he confides. The owl continues to look underwhelmed. I mean, that is just the best <laughs> paragraph of writing I have read in some time. But... I mean, it's and the, the the sort of the, the thrust of that article is, is there is a, a Mary Antoinette, a Marie Antoinette kind of sort of element to this. A, a story broke at a similar time of Kate Moss's plan to build a forest, and <laughs> um and the, again, this is a hilarious article from uh, from W Magazine, and it kind of sums up um. <laughs> you know the sort of the celebrity view on this, where she says, "I think I'm going to build a." Um, they talk about she did this vote interview where lots of people um lots of people her celebrity friends ask her questions and some of it is quite interesting actually now i do have some time for kate moss i don't want to see that this is a complete kicking because i i do think there is more to her than meets the eye and i do think she was iconic but uh most most people kept it light um winnie harlow asked about who do you think uh, moss's favorite dance partner is oh god i don't know <laughs> mary j blige of course oh, of course um uh, apparently Mark Jacobs asked her what she missed most about the 90s and Kate Moss says and I have deep sympathy for this a lack of camera phones which uh, you know I can imagine <laughs> if you are Kate Moss yeah, uh, yeah she, uh, Kate Moss would have not have had the 90s that she did with it, with camera phones I think but um, Jade Jagger um, a Rolling Stones person and a jewelry designer, although I think that's less of you know. Anyway, yeah. I won't. I won't be unkind. Um, no. Posed a, a weightier question, which is, how are you changing your life to make it more sustainable? Which is a good question, Ooh, actually. Word, I'm, yeah. I'm a fan of that. And uh, she just revealed that she hated litter bugs, said that she did basic things, but she also said, "I've just bought some land, and I think <laughs> I'm going to build a forest." And this article questions why she used the term "build" rather than "plant," and it since she was being honest because when she was answering the next question about the lovely gardens she's created in lockdown says here i love again this is excellent right <laughs> moss was quick to clarify that she has let yet to play an active role in her newfound horticultural pursuits i didn't do much gardening myself she told the hairstylist and avid florist sam at night but i've gotten very involved with the gardening process which is basically got visions <laughs> of kate moss in a hard hat literally pointing at where things go so uh, so i mean I, I applaud the intention i absolutely do because you know I, I think it is you know this is going to be everyone's problem climate change the environment is our biggest crisis yes we've got the the, the the issues with corona at the moment but this is the 
overarching problem that this is the existential threat to us all being able to live and i you know i don't think you have to i think we all have to level with that i don't think this is a sort of a niche interest anymore as green issues have long since been portrayed so in a way i admire people like jerry halliwell and kate hoss to at least mosk at least kind of engage in the issues even if they do it in a completely ridiculous way but equally you know it, they're not they're not in there they're at the nuts and bolts are they and and if we are going to have to all fundamentally change our lives to, to to work out what to do about climate change which we will you know i think i think people aren't there yet but you know we are going to have to live in considerably more sustainable ways i don't like the idea of not eating meat i'm not a natural vegetarian it will make me miserable not eating meat but if that's what we're going to have to do to make things more sustainable, that's what we're going to have to do. But, of course, it is much easier to change your lifestyle and accommodate changes if you have a massive country pile in Oxfordshire, if you can just buy a wood and rewild it. You know, it's it's and I, I think that that there is the danger that celebrities of that stature and of that finance in their own little bubbles um probably aren't it's very easy for them to preach and say yeah live more sustainably but it is very different if you are live if you're a single parent living in a council flat with three kids you know we we you know everyone's got to do their bit but i can understand why it comes across as as deeply ve- it can come across as deeply vexing when when you know it's easy to preach if you're in a position of privilege it's not so easy to to amend your lifestyle if you're on universal credit so so you know it is it's easy to laugh at these people, uh, particularly Jerry Halliwell. I find it quite diff- quite difficult not to laugh at Jerry Halliwell. But I sort of I sort of get what they're trying to do, and I, I'd much rather that people like Kate Moss do try to, to to make forests than not. If you see what I mean, even if they are paying people to do it for them, at least they are doing that. At least they're trying to make an effort. But the way in which that is managed in a news cycle is not always ideal. Now you see, I thought I might have a bit of a laughy laugh and look at Jerry <laughs> Halliwell's Rainbow Woman YouTube channel. And actually, it's it's really good, taking all that you said mm. into account. But her presentational skills, she is actually a natural presenter. She's got she a wicked really, sense of humour. And it's actually and, and very I'm engaging. Sorry, and I'm sorry that I've said I've laughed at her, because, <laughs> because the problem is, is that she is always a little bit ridiculous to oh, me. Yeah. But actually... Yeah, I agree with you. She is very good. And at least she's trying to engage with this stuff. As annoying as it can, as preachy as it can sometimes be, her sense of humour stops it from being a bit preachy, I think, really. So, so yes, I agree with you. She is... um, she is a bit ridiculous, but she probably doesn't take herself too seriously, which means that actually, yes, I will fall in behind you on this. <laughs> in, in, in television or YouTube terms, there's a syndrome that I call the country file law. Yeah. And that's in honour of the relentless Sunday evening uh, BBC mm. One cosy countryside show that brings you closer to nature, but not so close that you get to see animals tearing each other to, to, to pieces. Yeah. And um, the country file law that I, I've, I've um, mm. named is the certainty that when Anita Rani visits a farm during sheep shearing it's the law that she or any of her fellow presenters yeah. must say and so I asked if I could have a go yes. and the, the, the presenter having a go is a producer's misplaced sense that we at home would all like to have a go at sheep shearing or tree surgery or cow exactly. milking. I'm happy to let people that are qualified do these things, that is not my, my meteor. Well that's right we're, we're, you know, we're lolling on the, on the sofa but they, they, they feel that 
to make us feel more involved, Anita Rowley yes. or John Craven have a go on our behalf. It's the the country file law, but it applies mm. to all cosy programmes looking at crafts and country ways, and they're always presented by Tony Robinson or um, Julia Bradbury. Yes, that's true. Um, but anyway, the, the overall, the, I, I just think Celebrity Rewilding, it's a Channel 5 game show aching to be commissioned. Well, it, maybe it is. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, of course, it has to be, like you say, there is there is a sort of an on, on the, it's always on the cusp of being completely absurd, isn't it? Although, yeah, I do stick to my original point that at least Jerry Halliwell and Kate Moss are trying to engage with these issues. However, Marie Antoinette, as it might seem, <laughs> you know, they could very easily not be doing that with all their money, you know? So, so yeah, I, and I, I, you have guilted me slightly about Jerry Halliwell. So, <laughs> so yeah, I, and I haven't seen much of this channel, so I actually will have a look at this now because, um, I mean, because I was charmed by the... Do you remember the Naomi Campbell video that we talked oh, about yes, her going on yes, the plane? On the that plane, was unexpectedly yeah. enjoyable. So yes. I might, I might have to, uh, I might have to sort of go for this. But yeah, my my apologies to Jerry Alliwell. I, I I've been a bit too harsh on her, I think. But um, but yeah, it was, it's 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 a th- it's a thin line, isn't it, between celebrities engaging this in this in a way that is actually yes. convincing, and then and and you know, but not irritating, like you say, the the country file thing. Actually, I think that. Um, I have. I, I think Anita Rani does pretty well on Country File. I, I find Anita Rani likable generally. Actually, I think she's a good choice for the Friday leg of Women's Hour. So, so you know, I, I don't, I don't necessarily have a problem with it. But yeah, it is pretty irritating when you know, like you say, the boy when you know, he goes, oh, so I've gone to see these people that are engaged in this traditional art of fence making, making you think, oh, Ellie Harrison, please don't make yes. that fence, and then yes. she does, yes. but um, but or is told to, she doesn't. She she's instructed to do so by her producers. But yeah, you know, f- fair play to celebrities for trying to run the gauntlet of raising awareness whilst not coming across as total dingoes. You know, it's it's always it's always tricky. But you know, I, I will I will reassess and reevaluate Jerry Halliwell as a result of the, her Rainbow Woman vlog. What are the greatest rock music memoirs of all time? Yeah, yeah. that's next after the Long Riders.
think that's a wonderful track. Um, mm. Comparing, uh, amongst others, the woefulness of the Reagan administration years with the astonishing mm. lives of the great American pioneers, Meriwether Lewis and William Clark. Mm. In 1985, it reached number 59 in the UK from the album State of Our Union, The Long Riders and Looking for Lewis and Clark. Mm, I really like that. I've, again, a band that I haven't engaged with a great deal, but everything I've heard of theirs, I really like. You always remind me of bands that, that I, mm. I, I sort of fundamentally approve of, yet haven't really dug into. So, yeah, a treat to hear that. I'll definitely be trying to listen to more, I think. I've been fascinated by a recent interview with Tony Mortimer, the singer and songwriter with E17. <laughs> yes. In, in I this... think I know what you're going to say, but carry yeah, on. It's fascinating. In this interview with The Guardian recently, Mortimer said he'd never read a book mm. until the first lockdown last March, um, and that was as he approached his 50th birthday. Mm. And since then, he's been reading at the rate of two books a week, and he, he'd made mm. it to 70 books read by Christmas. And he mm. says he wishes he'd made the discovery sooner. So... You know, pulling books and, and music together, um, mm. and, and as they do in the recently published Rolling Stone 50 Greatest Rock mm. Memoirs of All Time. And of the Rolling Stones' top 50, I've actually only read three, which was those by Elton John Morrissey and Viv Albertine. Jules, do you agree with the placings in the Rolling Stone top 50 rock memoirs of all time? Well, I haven't read many. It was my discovery no, from having read this list. I mean, I, there was a lot that I didn't know really existed. Um, firstly, can I just echo, I thought that Tony Mortimer mm. article was completely charming. Very I much. very much enjoyed going on his journey with him on Twitter. I think it is so lovely yeah. to to see someone discovering the joy of reading. And I you know, I, I think he seems like a smashing chap, actually. I'm, I'm, I've been all power to him to come out at the age of, you know, at the age of the years so I've never really read very much but now I'm really into it I think that's incredibly inspiring for people of all walks of life but particularly people who might not have found school to their taste but would like to know more you know would like to know more in a non-conventional setting I think it's really inspiring and I think that that he would have known I think or might have been advised that he might be opening himself up to snobbish ridicule by doing that and I think it's brilliant you know I'm all, yeah. all power to him I think I think it's a, it's a really lovely sweet inspiring thing so props to and and you know there's talk that he might write a book and i think that would be great i would love to hear mm. from someone that that is on that journey but going back to what you've actually asked me to talk okay. about mm. um i um yeah i found it very interesting um so i'm in a, a music book club Ah. called the Rock and Roll Book Club where we try and read music themed books every month and we sometimes read things like Rip It Up and Start Again we try and have a mix but we have read a few bi biographies and so I've, I've read a few for book club that I might not have read and enjoyed the um, the Nikki Six, the Motley Crue one was mm. uh, was was you know eye opening to say the least but um, but I I there are lots on this list that I really want to read I haven't read Face It by Debbie Harry and I really feel I must that's a real gap mm. in my in my knowledge i know that you're very fond of the elton john book but i haven't read yeah. that um books that i have enjoyed actually that i think are really good uh, both of viv albertine's books are fantastic actually i would very much recommend them she's really they're very different though which is quite interesting which makes me wonder to what extent I, I don't know if she had assistance or not, but um, but they are both very good. I would recommend Patti Smith's memoirs as well. Mm. Just Kids by Patti Smith is one of the best rock memoirs I think I've ever read. I think it's it's so 
honest and the thing that's so interesting is that she comes across as a really nice person i did not ex- i mean obviously I, i'm a huge fan of patty smith as a performer I, I didn't expect her to be like that actually and i think that i enjoy rock memoirs where you peel away layers at people and and it is difficult i think because not many people want to do that so it's why i've often been more drawn towards you know biographies i i'm very pleased to see the appearance of bad vibes by luke haynes in this list i would thoroughly recommend <laughs> that it, i don't know if you've ever read it I but um it's oh my goodness me his um it's enjoyably sour that it lives up to its name i think about him colliding with Britpop and that really i mean to be fair he is brutally honest in that he comes across as completely appalling at times and and <laughs> you could make the argument that a woman wouldn't be allowed to get away with that so so i do i do um, and i read that book when i was in my 20s i'm not sure i might reread it and see how i feel about it now the example being that they he at the time is is in the auteurs and he's in a relationship with a member of the auteurs and um they they um that he said at the airport she starts crying because they're leaving the tour and she's realized that she's got to go home and and live with Luke Haynes and she does not find this an appealing prospect so so things are already pretty bad they then get on a plane in Tokyo and come home and when they arrive home they're greeted with the news as they get off the plane that they've missed the Tokyo earthquake by half an hour Gosh. at which point they go to bed for a week because they are just so completely sort of over overwhelmed by everything i would recommend that as a sort of a as a kind of a wow. not a kind of a sort of ah oh, everyone I've worked with is so lovely mm. you know I'm so blessed to have had this career that is enjoyable and it's kind of, and also he's quite horrible about quite a lot of people which is which is quite entertaining so I'm glad to see that as an appearance I think that is very good also I I'm, I'm scrolling down to see if it's in this list oh yeah Girl in a Band by Kim Gordon is in this list and I'm really pleased it's there because that is really good um because she's someone who was um she's someone who's been there for a lot of moments um she tells a story in the book about um she produces courtney love's first album with hole and she's quoted as saying um courtney told me she thought kurt cobain was hot which made me cringe inside and i hope the two of them would never meet we all said to ourselves uh-oh train wreck coming so so it's very interesting that she's sort of and i think this is a good quote from rolling stone it says girl in a band um catches the energy of being in a being a sort of a, a young person in a city and sort of creativity and that sort of thing i would that that's probably i think my biggest recommend a, a, a tome that hasn't appeared in this list which is probably seen as not being very cool but i think i've talked about this before jules holland's autobiography which is called barefaced lies and boogie woogie boasts um is surprisingly enjoyable surprisingly mm. enjoyable because he's very honest in it and he, t- he tells the story of the collapse of his first marriage and and you know and, and the genesis of his new marriage which were linked and unfortunately there was a sort of a him and his the woman that went on to be his second wife were involved in a car accident together and that is how their relationship was discovered and he doesn't gloss over that you know that is mentioned and he basically says i did not behave well my first wife mary was was far kinder and far more generous about this than i absolutely deserved and you know i am very very fortunate to know her she is brilliant and i just thought that had a i was really struck by that level 
of self-awareness i think so so the more self-aware the better i think and 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 the more i like the poetic bent as well so i enjoy the patty smith and kim gordon and and uh and, and uh viv because they're quite you know they're they're poetic and i don't know may, maybe women are more honest with the exception of jules holland i don't know hmm. i'll whiz us through the top 10 in this uh, uh Please do. 50 uh number 10 this is the rock memoirs essentially number 10 carrie carrie brownstein from your uh sleater mm. or slater kinney and i've not read that which is just no. ridiculous i really need to read that because because uh, i love her and i love sleater kinney number nine the rza um a rapper um is, is it, I think he's from um, Wu Tang. I think that's. Oh ah, right, okay. Number eight, Slash. Uh, seven, mm. Beastie Boys. Six, Viv Albertine. Uh, the boys, boys, boys. One. Yeah. Um, five, Keith Richards. Four, Amir Questlove Thompson, who we talked about last mm. week. In terms Interesting. Of that, um, yeah. Harlem Festival. Number three, Springsteen. Two, Patti mm. Smith, who you mentioned. And number one, Dylan Chronicles Volume One. That's their top ten. <laughs> Let's not have my views on Bob Dylan again. No. <laughs> we don't need them. I, I'm certainly, like you, I'm certainly going to keep a note of Rolling Stone's top 50 because mm. there's quite a few I'd like to read in there. And uh, again, as you say, there's several that I wasn't even aware of. I've read a couple of sort of rock memoirs in the last mm. year. I, as you, um, Again, as you, you um, rightly point out, I really enjoyed Elton John's Me yes. because it's very well coordinated by mm. Alexis Petridis, yes. but he does let Elton unfold his own story with with searing honesty, and that mm. often um, is is the key to these. The, the other one I enjoy hugely, and I read during lockdown, was uh, Pete Pavides' Broken Greek. Mm, uh, I've heard so many good things about this. I must try and find so it. So wonderful! Is it? It's mm. emotional and magical, and, and and Pete writes so beautifully that you're drawn mm. into his world of um, chip shops and Leo Sayer and Abba and the Baron Knights. I, I think um, mm. actually Pete, I think about um, Pete's book quite often mm. and it had a huge impact on me. I think it's one of those books that will sort of s- stay with me and resonate with me and it, it's, um, it's, it's a very sort of emotional read but ultimately in a very sort of uplifting way mm. um, it, it, it sounds, it sounds magnificent book. i have a lot of time for him in general mm. i think he's lovely think man he, he, very lovely yeah, man. He, i think he just he just sorry. seems like a nice bloke yeah exactly <laughs> i think by far for me though the the greatest music related biography is mark lewinson's majestical first volume in his proposed trilogy about mm. the beatles volume one is called tune in and it's it's 946 pages Ooh, of minute yeah, detail of the journey of the Beatles from mm. 1940 to 1962. Incredibly detailed, doesn't shy away from their flaws and is just a must-read for anyone who, who loves the Beatles. So they're yeah, like my top three. I absolutely yeah. agree. And it's 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 interesting, is it? Like you say, sort of bio... There's, I think there's, there's worth making the distinction between autobiographies and biographies. Mm. And biographies, autobiographies, sometimes rise and fall on who they get to ghostwrite. And I do know someone that has ghostwritten... A friend of mine has ghostwritten a few big biographies I, I won't be too specific on this but mm. he's he's you know he's co-written or ghost-written a lot of big autobiographs and a very famous person who you would have heard of was texting him when we were both somewhere once and he said to me oh name name redacted is texting me again they always do this after you finish with them because they suddenly realize that all the power was is with you in mm. terms of writing the story up and they suddenly you know want to think that that you want you to think they're a great person they're always he said they're always nice to me at the end and you get that impression that you know that it's quite it is quite you know it's it, it's quite 
yeah it's it's a difficult thing so biographies give a different perspective to autobiographies because there is someone that is not telling their own story or being held to have you know quite often biographies can be more revealing than autobiographies um put it this way morris's autobiography made it into this this list and uh, it was brilliant. Oh, actually, I have got one. I don't know if it was in the list or not, but um, Tracy Thorne's. Oh, first yes. yeah, The first was, one. Was, yes. Yeah, Bedsit Disco Queen that is, is brilliant. Good. I mean, mm. I like all of her books, but that one I thought was really good and that I thought she was very honest. And she described Morris's autobiography as such a score-settling autobiography. <laughs> and she's right. They, the court case has like three chapters and the actual career of the Smiths has like 50 pages, I think. It's, it's so kind of telling. And sometimes, you know, it's it's and, and it's funny because I enjoyed the bitterness of Luke Haynes, but I I just found the Morrissey book to be really wearing, and but I find him to be very wearing. Maybe that's why I don't know. It wasn't as awful as that novel of his that we had to read. That was oh, that was po- just that the was... worst thing we've ever done on this podcast. <sighs> I mean, the worst I mean, task I, ever. A, a small part of me will never forgive you for having made me do that. <laughs> it was but, um, terrible. No, but it's it's interesting, isn't it? But um, but you know, to, to what I can take from some people and what I can't from others, and we often revisit. Can you separate art from the artist and that mm. sort of thing but um but yeah i i i liked you know i liked tracy thorne's description of that as a, as a score set the autobiography but yeah biographies can be more rewarding because but then it depends upon the access you can get mm. that might you know regnus is now my fandom of pj harvey she hasn't written a, a book she's written poetry but she's never written her story i'm not sure she ever will to be honest um there has there is a book about her called siren rising by james blanford and it is interesting up to a point but it is very telling that is basically press cuttings because no one will talk to him because all of the people around her of which is a small tight-knit group know that she doesn't want to talk so mm. so you know and and that's the thing how can you get someone to talk in a way that is interesting rather than just on you know their own score settly you know sort of a score settly turns like like morrissey and i think going back to the previous subject a really good bio autobiography rather than a biography is written by someone that has self-awareness and or or is who has is smart enough to pick a a co-writer with whom they can be honest which is what makes the elton john book so good Mm -hmm. that's very Mm. very true i think that is at the heart of it well, thank you so much for listening this week. Mm. Lovely to have yes, you as along. Always, absolutely. Mirror those. I mirror the sentiments of my learned friend. Now, even if you are out rewilding for the rest of the weekend, I'm hoping you'll have time for a radio show this week. Um, I uh, yeah, I would do actually. Why not? Although obviously it is, I'll be rewilding and also dealing with the extensive Valentine's correspondence that I will be receiving. Same no with doubt. you, I should think. I'm surprised you've got time to do this, but uh, anyway, I know. Yes. I'll be spending the rest of the day sort of cataloguing all of the Valentine cards, yeah, putting them in absolutely. order. Yeah. I mean, there's the yes, no, and maybe pile, and then you know you have to you have to yeah. categorise within that. But uh, but no, I I you know obviously despite dealing with our legions of admirers, I can't even say that with a straight face. I'm not in my case anyway obviously you do but um no i will be on the uh, on the radio um i say on the radio on my little mixler channel that i do 7 till 9 p.m smooth sailing and 
I, I, I was toying with the idea of doing a Valentine's special, but actually I feel there's always, without sounding like that idiot from Pop Idol, there's always a lot of love, I think, in the show anyway, just simply because it's, it's you know, it's, it's a lovely thing to do. It's lo- it's always nice music. And I, I, that sounds conceited because I'm picking it, but we get a lot of requests as well. And it's just music that is easy on the ear and on the heart, I think, really, is, is how I would describe it. And that's kind of where we all need to be. It's show 40 that I'm doing, wow. which is, it's, considering I did this, as a sort of a, you know, kind of a, oh, well, you know, we're in a bit of a state of emergency. Perhaps I'll do 10 of these and see how it goes. I'm quite surprised that no one's intervened. I always say this. I'm, I'm quite surprised no one's put a stop to it. But anyway, 7 till 9 p.m., mixer.com forward slash Juliet hyphen Harris, or just search for my name on the site. If you'd like to listen to previous shows, they are on the show reel button. And uh, yeah, c- come along and, and, and uh, you know, turn on, tune in, chill out. I think it's that Britney Spears perfume that brings all your valentines uh, <laughs> to your Absolutely. Door. You know, yeah. this this is it. She she definitely got something about well, whoever it was that she employed to stick some things in that bottle did a bang up job is what I can say. I'm loving your idea of closing the show with unlikely reggae versions of mm. hit songs and this one is another cracker. Well, that is very kind of you to say. Thank you very much. I am um, yeah, I do like a nice reggae cover and uh this is a song that I really love anyway, and it was a brave choice to cover because it's got such a big identity. Everyone knows this song, I think. It was enormous. But um, bless them, uh, Byron Lee and the Dragonairs decided that they would have a go at it. And, and uh, while you're talking of Byron Lee and the mm. Dragonairs, I'm just going to quickly interrupt you. I've got a quick quick quiz for you. Mm, I, had oh, a, yes. I had a look when I saw you chose this. How many albums have Byron Lee and the Dragonairs released in their career? And oh. if you get within... A reasonable number, I'll give you the gold prize. Oh, How many well, albums? You know, you see, no the Googling. thing is, the thing is, is that it's um, it's either going to be yes. enormous or it's going to be very low. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. I, I'm going to go on the tiny end. If I don't win the gold prize, then so did it be. It. You live by the sword, you die mm. by the sword. But um, I'm, I'm going to say that they've released two. 71. <gasps> wow. I couldn't That's believe it. That's a lot of Byron <laughs> Lee, isn't it? <laughs> That's a lot of Byron wow. Lee, man alive. I know, fair, fair play to Brian, but Byron Lee, and who I, I keep miscalling Brian, I'm sorry Brian for miscalling. Sounds like a footballer for Sheffield United, doesn't it? Brian yes, Lee. Brian Lee, yes. Appearance, 74 appearances, 83 to 88, yeah. But... Um, no, I, that well, that that in itself is astonishing because I have to be honest, this is pretty much the only thing of theirs that I'm familiar with. So I apologise for that. I'd say I will investigate them. Clearly, I'm going to have to book out a month to investigate the, the music <laughs> of Byron Lee. That sounds amazing. But I think this is a, a lovely, lovely version. I just think it is so... And also his full name, born Byron Aloysius St. Elmo Lee. What a name. What a a name. name. Sadly, no longer with us. But um, no, I think this is great. And I think I love the fact that um, it's not entirely. The start is pretty much a straight cover. And then when it breaks into the kind of main tune, it just works really well. I just think it is. It really captures the spirit of the song but puts its own spin on it really which i think is is great and it fits the you know the theme of the film and it finds it finds a place i think that that just really works really so so i love this this is a byron lee not brian but byron lee and the, if i could learn to read it would help me uh, byron lee and the dragonairs and this is them doing uh, paul mccartney and wings live and let die
listening to a parish council production 